Why niggas? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Niggas is a brand. Allen Houston. Niggas just mean Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. Hey everyone, you are tuned in to the Nickish Show. My name is Mo, and with me today are my co-hosts, Osama and Teddy. How you guys feeling? It's a beautiful Sunday, and the weather's warm and sunny, and our New York Knicks have their first win streak in eight months. Ooh. I can't believe it. I can't believe it, man. This rebuild was worth it. This, this, <laughs> this 20-year rebuild Whoa. was worth We're here. We're on top, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no but honestly though it, it genuinely feels good this is what the first win streak since last season since yep, april yep. right mm-hmm. um feels good and it wasn't against like some really bummy teams i mean um first one i mean yes it was against some really bummy <laughs> no, teams the Warriors. But... oh yeah yeah i mean that one was still embarrassing we were up by double digits for most of the game and then ended up coughing it up in the fourth quarter and went into overtime to win it by two points. Embarrassing, but still growth from the team. We You're saw, talking about the Warriors, um, right? Because they lost to the Knicks. That's that's quite yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, embarrassing for the Warriors, who now are sporting a 5-21 and record while we're 5-20, and I believe. We are 6-20. We oh, got no, a better record now. than the Warriors. Good shit. I mean, our our defense yeah. was so good that Clay, Staff were all on the bench the whole game. Yeah, I I just we got we, we really played ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, K- KD didn't even bother showing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, right now we're tied for the third worst record, or sorry, second worst record. So I mean, we're still tied with the Pelicans, the Hawks, the Cavs. Um, so it's not bad. Uh, we're only, I think, around five and a half games out of the playoff run. So it's not bad. It's it's redeemable for sure. The team is on the up, and the veterans are starting to play better. We're seeing guys like Randall start to play a little bit better. Less turnovers, more smart decision-making. He's making his threes now, which mm-hmm. is crazy. If any mm-hmm. of you guys... Um, noticed in the Kings game, he was actually draining all his threes, which was awesome to see. I think he ended the game on three of eight from three, which is not bad. It's better yeah, than the usual. Led by 26 points. I believe one of us called it last week. Oh, mm. did we? Wow. I'm ta- okay. talking about, talking about, I, I, I don't I'm know talking about myself. And uh, you guys <laughs> were both like, what? Nah, that's going to be uh, RJ and uh, somebody else. I mean, don't get me wrong. In a game where we won, he was still a minus seven <laughs> in the box Fair. score. Whereas guys like like Alfred Payton, who came in off the bench, who uh, really Alfred, deserves definitely. some praise. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, wonder, I wonder who gave was us rooting for 16, that guy. Four and four. I wonder who was rooting for that guy. He was a plus oh, 19 oh, what? in the I'm game. Sorry, and don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not... Plus, plus 19. Oh, wait, but listen, plus listen. To, to, to your discredit and to Nilo's credit, Who, who's that? <laughs> plus, who's that? like single game, single game box, single game box plus minus to me. You shut your mouth, much, right? You shut your mouth and put some respect on. Alfred that's just Kane. measuring. That's just measuring how much we 
beat or out got outscored by the opponent in during the time that that player was what on was, the court. It what was really Julius Randle into... and Bobby Portis's numbers on that? Uh, I know, I know why I talk about no Bobby Portis. Hmm? It, this is why you know it doesn't work out because Bobby Portis is a plus nine. That, All right, I take it back. These stats mean BS. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> stats are bogus. I won't lie though; like there was a semblance of defense from Bobby Portis in that game against the Kings. Um, he came in with that bench unit that outscored the Kings, I believe, like forty something. Uh, to like twenty something, and and he act, he was actually playing like remotely decent defense. Again, on the offensive side, his shot selection is absolute garbage. He just chucks up anything that he gets. But I'll live with that a little bit if he's at least attempting to block somebody, you know. And and we have some of the worst um, defending power forwards in the game, like Bobby Portis and Randall. They can never get a block. Oh God. Um, I think combined between them, they've had zero blocks the past couple of games. That's so. probably true. I, I don't doubt that for a sec. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it right now, and Kings game, they've combined for zero blocks. Um, the Warriors game, they've combined for zero blocks. And in the Portland game, neither of them... Oh, Bobby Portis got one block. So combined in the past three games, the two of them have had one block. So what would you guys credit Mike Miller in doing versus, versus what Fizzle did for the whole season? What's Mike Miller doing differently that's causing... The Knicks, even though they they were coughing the ball up a lot more, and mm-hmm. especially against the Warriors, they were if it if it were the Knicks of even two weeks ago, they would have lost both games just because it went down the wire, and the Knicks just weren't Here's, good in the fourth yeah. quarter. But what did what did Mike Miller do that got the Knicks a W? It's so Mike Miller so far has not shown anything in in the sense of being some kind of creative genius, but what he has done. It actually lies actually more in what he hasn't done. So with Fizz, we've seen him run out certain lineups that we were just honestly confused about and didn't understand, like, what the hell am I looking at on the court right now? They'd go periods at a time, like five, seven minutes, without scoring at all. Whereas now, you see consistent scoring. It's on the defensive end where we're, we're lacking a little bit, and also on the offensive end a little bit, we're a little bit less cohesive in general like than the rest of the league, but better than when what they were looking like under Fizz. When you look at the lineups that are going out there, there's nothing really to complain about. Um, there's uh, the young guys are getting all the minutes that we're asking for. He's pulling guys right after they make any boneheaded plays, which is all we asked for. And then the rotation is looking pretty solid as well. I think, yeah, in the Kings game we played ten guys. Um, the only guys that got DNPs were Bresdakis and Dennis Smith. And Dennis Smith, um, it, it seems to be because he has an illness. I'm not sure if I believe that one, but he got a DNP for that. And so you're seeing guys like Dotson and Peyton come in and actually like give really solid minutes, um, especially a guy like Dotson who's coming in and just being a 3 and D player that we've been mm-hmm. craving. And then Peyton's coming in and actually being the floor general. So while Frank had his best minutes with Fizz, um, we're still seeing the best overall rotations and play style under Mike Miller. And that's just because he's doing the simple things that any other coach could do. And it's crazy that... We've been dying this long for average and mediocre, but that's what we're getting, and and we're getting average mediocre results. Like we should be beating these teams, yeah. uh, and so yeah. we have, and that's all that we've asked for. We no one said this team would be a, a team of world beaters. No one said we were going to win thirty plus games. All we were asking for was to just perform like what the players look like on paper, and and right now that's what it's looking like. Also, everyone's just being kept, um, you know, within their skill set, like you mentioned earlier, and I think. That's the one thing I've, I've really noticed is the, the idea of discipline um, for this young team. 
It's, mm-hmm. it's we really saw Fizz play around with some players and then give other players like this preferential treatment where they they would just have freedom to do more than that we've seen them do in their career. Like we get we saw that happen with Julius Randle. We saw that happen with Dennis Smith Jr. And then he would have this short leash on other players like Mitchell Robinson and Frank. It was just it's just strange to me. It didn't seem like mm-hmm. he was being disciplined all throughout as a coach. It seemed like Fizz was really playing favorites. Whereas, you know, with Miller, we're seeing more of a, you know, a guy who's looking to win and he doesn't really care. He just wants the best players that work on the floor that given night. So we've seen Peyton mm-hmm. um, resurge a little bit and we've seen Frank kind of, you know, uh, lose some of his minutes and, and but I mean I think it's all for the best I think we weren't really winning games even though Frank was playing well and you know that's something that Miller has to figure out is sort of you know what lineup works the best so I'm excited to see mm-hmm. what he comes up I, with and he's shown to, that he's continued to go with Frank in the starting lineup even though he's not right. playing as well and and you see the defense showing like right yeah. away and so I, I don't mind it when Frank's playing 21 minutes a game and and then uh, Peyton's playing 27 minutes a game off the bench. I don't care if they have similar minutes, as long as we're starting off not leaking points mm-hmm. right away from the get-go. Right. So I'm, I'm okay with Frank coming in and setting the tone defensively and then letting Peyton come in and actually run the team on offense, like play, um, have the team passing the ball around a lot better. And you just see, like, if you look down the line in, in the Kings game, you see the minutes distribution is so even and so beautiful to look at. Um, I think under Fizz, a guy like Taj Gibson, who's probably our best defensive big, was only getting 12, 13, at most 15 at minutes a game. I don't understand why. Which makes no real... sense. He would start and then never come back. Were we saving him for the so playoffs long. or something? Was that physical? <laughs> <idea? laughs> yeah. And in and, and this game, he got 23 minutes a game. And it's not at the behest of Mitchell Robinson. He's getting 25 minutes a game. And you see he's performing super efficiently 14 points, nine rebounds on seven of nine field goals, throwing a steal in there. He's playing really well recently. Right. Only two personal fouls. And so. You're seeing him pull away minutes from guys like Bobby Portis, who in that game had 17 minutes only. Um, normally under Fizz, he'd have 75 minutes in the game, <laughs> but right now he's not getting that. Right. With Kevin Knox, he's underperforming. You're seeing his minutes being pulled, 18 minutes a game. Until he starts to figure out his flow on the offense, he's not going to be able to get in the game that much. And then his minutes are getting taken up a little bit by Dotson, which I'm perfectly okay with. Um, I just can't wait until you know the, the the young guys start to gel a little bit, and and hopefully maybe after. Um, some maybe something happens during the trade deadline where we can actually move away some of these vets and actually unleash the young guys fully for a full young squad because that's kind of what I do miss watching because uh, as much as I love watching uh, Marcus Morris and Julius Randle like get their points it's at the same time it's it's more expected than it is surprising when they do and so when they don't it's it's a lot more infuriating so I'm okay watching a young team lose but I'm not as okay watching a team trotting out a lineup of Morris, Randall, and Bobby Portis lose. Right. right, and one of one of like you mentioned, one of Fizdale's biggest off-puttings was the fact that he just couldn't get his mind around a, a rotation that he wants. We didn't know what what the starting lineup was going to be or starting point guard point guard was going to be until you know I guess a month in when Dennis Smith Jr. got injured and Alfred Payne got injured and he just had to put Frank at that starting lineup. Right now with Mike mm-hmm. Miller, we're seeing. Fairly set rotations. Everyone, for the most part, has a clear idea of what their role is. Before that, there's there's a bit of confusion. Who's going to be the closer? Who's going to be the starter? Who's going to be, you know, the guy who's going to take the last shot? It was it was it was just a big mix-up, and I'm sure it affected players. And you know, no one really knew what their clear role was. But Mike Miller, as we're seeing, is is a big change. 
So speaking of which, Mike Miller still has his interim coach role. And right now we're seeing a handful of names that are being thrown around. We've seen Mark Jackson, Becky Hammond, Dave Yeager. But there are three particular names that sources are saying are going to be the most likely one, they're going to be the most likely to be a head coach or, or be interviewed to be a head coach if Mike Miller is not the guy. And those three names are Stan Van Gundy, who led the Knicks their last finals game, Tom Thibodeau, and probably <laughs> <laughs> probably the the most interesting but most <laughs> aggravating, Jason Kidd. What do you, Mark Jackson. Obviously, right. obviously, we all agree that the guy to go for is Jason Kidd, right? <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm, no. Not, I'm about to quit this podcast right now. Guys, hold on. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So, I just want to say this. I, I, I just want to say this one thing. Why have we heard the same damn names for the last, like, decade? Like, we've been trying to get Jeff Van Gundy to leave his job at ESPN for a while now. Like, it's not working. He doesn't seem interested. And then, oh, my God, uh, Mo, you forgot freaking Mark Jackson. Like, the name that everyone keeps saying, like, he's just going to be the savior of New York City. He's going to come here. He's going to get the most out of Bobby Portis. Like, oh, my My God, God. man. (laughs) Also, yeah, he's going to get the most minutes out of everybody. Hold up, hold up. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is the part that pisses me off the absolute most. If those are the top candidates, which I highly doubt they are, this is just the LOL Knicks media going at it again and just putting up the same names again so that there can be some articles and some laughs. But listen to this. These are the guys, like these are the exact guys who pretty much prevented their teams from having superstars. You have guys like Mark Jackson who inhibited Steph Curry in the beginning of his career. And also, not to mention, he was just a horrible coach overall, had problems with the front office, made the players feel very paranoid that the front office was out to get him and get them homophobic he, he just often dude everybody hated he, him the, he, whole, the whole organization he's been blackballed him. from yeah, nba everybody he's hated him he's not even a good announcer i don't even understand like why we would mama there goes that man there anyway. goes that man <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he held back steph curry you have jason kidd who held back Giannis oh from being mm-hmm. a superstar you have Tom Thibodeau Wait, just, who held just, back just, just to report from his monster just, season. Just to add on that report of the Jason Kidd thing, it said that they were looking at Jason Kidd to possibly attract Giannis because Giannis wants to go backwards in his career, right? Wait, what the <laughs> hell? Like what? Because Giannis wants to go backwards. He wants to go to the worst coach. Uh, and guys like Stephen A. Smith who will have a ten-minute segment where he's just he's adamant on Jason Kidd. To, and just to bring Giannis, it and it really is so frustrating when everybody listens to Stephen A. Smith and just assumes that he's the guy who's representing the Knicks fans, and whatever he says is what we all agree I'm with. I'm gonna say this. I hate it so much. I'm gonna say this once and, and one time only. Stephen A. Smith has no insight into the Knicks organization. He has no understanding of what the Knicks are gonna do. Please tell me the last time. Stephen A. Smith reported anything remotely true about 97% the 97% chance that we're getting KD and Kyrie. Oh, my <laughs> God. 97% chance. KD and Kyrie. He swore he was going to be the person to break where LeBron was going last time in free agency. Had no idea he was going to the Lakers. So, uh, honestly, I'm never going to listen to a single thing Stephen A. Smith says because he's just an on-air personality who we all love to watch and laugh at. But he has no insight into what the Knicks are doing. And that's not to the credit of the Knicks or to his discredit. I just know he has no connections within the Knicks organization. So if I'm not seeing a, a report from a guy like Ian Begley or uh, any other similar source with actual credentials with the team, not know Stephen A. Smith, 
not no Frank Isola, maybe a guy like Tommy D, Tommy Beer, like those guys actually have a little bit more insight into the Knicks organization and they have some clout with with the team. Even even Mark Berman, I'll give him like he's a downer as well, but he at least has a lot of connections within the organization. So if it's not those guys, I'm not listening to a rumor. None of those guys have reported this. In fact, there are there have been a few Begley bombs about uh, Mills potentially losing his job at the Ooh. end of the season if the Knicks don't we get better. We should talk about that, that too. That, 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 uh, like, what do you guys think yeah, about I'm, I'm, that? Like, what's a good executive to replace Mills? Because we, we hear the, the flashy name, like Masai. Um, we hear, like, Daryl Morey, the flashy names. But um, I think Mills has a good uh, good chance of losing his job this season. I'm glad you brought up. I really I'm glad you brought so. up Daryl Morey because I know we talked about it last week, and I I thought a little more into it. And I don't think I would want Daryl Morey on the Knicks team just because he is a very analytical guy and, and and all that. But I don't. He's just not a people person, and you, you see that with with what happened with Carmelo Anthony. You saw that what happened with CP3, and they're just. They they they're riding but, the whole team's but, riding on James Harden's play. I I don't think I'd want Daryl Morey on the Knicks to be honest. I see what you're saying, and I, I agree that I don't like how the, the Rockets have built their team whatsoever. But I will say, using names like Melo and CP3, who are guys who are notorious in the league for being divas, I wouldn't really blame him for not getting along with them. He's obviously had uh, a good track record with guys like Harden and Stephen Adams and stuff like that, and so. Uh, sorry, I don't know why I said Stephen Adams, Clint Capella. Um, so he, he could be a, a, a great GM. Um, I would want somebody who's on the forefront of strategy and analytics just because it seems like we've been lagging behind the entire league from that perspective in the past few years. But I just want to go back to what Teddy was saying and, and Masai. And I, I may, call me hopeful, color me um, super, super optimistic, but... Um, I honestly think we might have somewhat of a chance if we throw all the money at him. We recently saw that he he turned down extension talks with the Raptors, um, which might be a good sign as well. And I don't know if there are that many openings around the league that he would like better. And and this is my pitch to Masai. So Masai, if you're out there listening to this podcast, which uh, honestly, if you're not, I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) But this is my pitch to you for, for, for coming to the Knicks. If you come to the Knicks the standards for you are beyond low so there are there's no expectations of any kind of improvement right away for at least from the fans who understand so yeah no expectations whatsoever on this team nobody's expecting you to come in and win a championship right away but what people are expecting are small smart savvy decisions and which we all know you're perfectly capable of. So if you come to this team, you'll instantly be hailed as a savior for this entire organization and have your name written in stone forever in the Knicks history books if you just make small, tiny decisions, like uh, get us a guy like D'Angelo Russell. Instantly, you'll be in the Hall of Fame uh, for the Knicks. And so I think at this point in your career where you've won a championship, you've won the first championship for the Raptors, uh, you've you've made amazing trade deals consistently that have worked out so well for the team. The only thing left in your legacy is to rebuild the team from, uh, again, a rebuild the team's entire uh, reputation within the league. And there's no better team to do that with than the Knicks. There's a bunch of other teams that may potentially be interested in you joining them, but you're not going to get the same uh, kind of treatment from the fans and the same kind of uh, reward as if you would uh, finding success with the Knicks. And so 
I think that's just that's my pitch for Messiah to come over here. Um, not only that, but obviously the, the final kicker would be that Dolan would pay you anything he could possibly pay you to, to come join here. So there's just no reason not to, I think, at this point in your career. So Messiah, if you're out there, come here to the Knicks. I'll host you. We can go out for dinner one time, and that's it. Just one time? It's just yeah, it's I mean, I'm not loaded. Thing. All right, I'm not. I'm not Dolan. All right. Well, yeah, I I do definitely agree with you. I think Masai is the is the golden ticket for a lot of the you know Knicks organization who think that he's the answer. He's the key. Um, I don't know. I just I wish he would come, but I also feel like he's probably not going to. He's got it made uh, with the Raptors, and he could probably get any job you know that's available in the NBA. And the Knicks job is a tough one, man. Like you can be you know, one of the best coaches of all time, like Phil Jackson, and still get killed by the media in, like, a year. So, I don't know. I just feel like he's great. He's a great architect. We definitely could use him. I just don't think he finds this job that appealing. He's also been on record on, like, some TV interview interview saying, yeah. fuck the Knicks. So, <laughs> I just feel like he doesn't like the New York Knicks um, in general. But, I mean, money can change a lot of things. Who knows? Uh, another name that's actually pretty interesting. If 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 we can't get a guy like Masai or Sam Presti from OKC, I think we I think the Knicks should look into Bobby Webster, who's the GM of the Toronto Raptors, who worked hand in hand with Masai with all the decisions that they made. He's a 35 year old uh, executive right now who might be hungry enough to try to take that that position where he'll be he'll be the guy mm-hmm. in charge and not below anybody. And only 35 years old, and he worked with arguably the best front office exec that's that's in the game right now i think he might be someone who who's not it's not gonna be a flash with scott perry i know we I, I i'm still a fan of scott perry because he wasn't that flashy name but had a rapport that was respectable i think bobby wester might be a guy that the knicks should look into i don't know what you guys think about that i agree i think the raptors have really proven themselves to be the spurs of the spurs franchise of this generation uh where basically guys from head to toe bottom up and the organization are just outperforming anything anybody expected so i would kill for anybody related to that front office even a a coaching guy like nick nurse i mean he he seems amazing they grew him out of the g league and so um he's done a great job with the team as well so i i I trust anybody coming out of the raptors organization the same way i trust anybody coming out of the spurs organization and it was Masai, but also bobby wester together who said that the raptors needed a culture change and that was when they got rid of the head coach of the year, Dwayne Casey, replaced with Nick Nurse, got rid of DeMar DeRozan, replaced with Kawhi Leonard. They were both together with that. Mm-hmm. And if the Knicks need anything, it's a culture reset. Um, and those are both moves that everybody exactly. questioned yeah. and wondered, why the hell would you ever do that? And they proved to be right. So they're, clearly they're not afraid of the media right. scrutiny. So come to the Knicks. I mean, at the time, the Raptors were also like the second or first team in the East. So... It was a real surprising move that they made. Um, it was not something that was obvious. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Dwayne Casey was coach of the right. year before they came. And, him, and so. DeRozan was like an all-star that everyone kept saying, oh, this is the year that they're going to beat LeBron in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and he was homegrown exactly, talent exactly. for a, for Kawhi coming, Kawhi coming off of an injury. Exactly. Um, and, and for a one-year rental. So it, it was a crazy bet, and it won. Mm-hmm. Now... With the Knicks coming off a back-to-back win against the Warriors and the Kings, their next game is tonight against the Nuggets in Denver. Do either of you guys know when the last time the Knicks beat Denver at home? Um, summer of '69. That was it. I'll venture. <laughs> 2015. Uh, no, not not 2015. Also, you want to do a second guess? 
Are you sticking with Summer of 69? Um, I'm going to go... I, I just remember every time we, we, get our ass when we had Melo on the team, every time, every time like Melo would be going back to Denver, they'd be giving, they'd give out the stat of like the Knicks actually haven't won in Denver in seven years now. So <laughs> I, will, I like, um, and we continue to never win again. So I'm just going to assume uh, Melo was here two years ago, let's say five to seven years before that. I'm going to say nine years we haven't won there. What the hell? Nine years? So... Uh, so 2010. In Denver, I'm saying. Yeah. I, we, we've beaten them, I think, in New York. I'm saying in Denver. I don't think we've beat them since yeah, like 2010. The Knicks, true. the Knicks have lost in Denver for 11 years in a row. Oh they haven't won. Wow. See, they haven't won go. a game in Denver since Knicks. 2006. It's the height. It's the it's the freaking uh, it's the weather over there. My players can't breathe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the climate's too rough on us, man. Now, we're, we're, I, I don't know if the math adds up. I did see somewhere they said 11 years, but like I, I understand it's 13 years. So maybe there was a season or two, maybe the lockout season that they didn't play there. But definitely since 2006, they haven't they haven't won in Denver. Wow. And they're not wow. they're not gonna That's win insane. tonight. That that much I know. <laughs> that that streaks in a continue. Hey man, you never know. Like it would be typical Knicks for them to never win in 13 years, and then this squad to be the the winning squad. Yeah, I wouldn't count on Marcus Morris and them boys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like straight up, my prediction is it's gonna be pick and roll, Jamal Murray and Jokic just destroying us, oh yeah, back to back to back. Yeah, Jokic is coming off a triple yep. double. That's right after everybody was questioning his his game. All right, well, he's about to get his first quintuple double because <laughs> th- this Knicks team can't hold anybody back, especially a big man. Now, I wanted to move on to our next topic, which is trading. Uh, today is December 15th, so that means trade season is open. There are pleth- Knicks playoff season, boy. <laughs> so there's a plethora of players on the Knicks roster and all around the NBA, and it's really we got we got to think about what the front front office might want. Would they want to get more veteran players or try to trade their vets for younger players? It's it's what are we? What's the front office trying to do? What what's the what's the uh, image that they're trying to make for the New York Knicks? I don't really know, to be honest. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about Marcus right, I say, Morris I say, particularly? Yeah, I say we go around like one, go round table. Each person put the what they think the first step in in, in this uh, before the trade deadline should be for the Knicks. I'm gonna go ahead and say the first step is feeling out the market for Julius Randle and seeing if there are any potential suitors out there and what they would be willing to offer. If anybody's willing to offer you a first rounder, you take it and run. That's just me. I don't know about you guys. Ooh. Very optimistic with that first rounder. And that's not. And this is coming from someone who's not even down on Julius Randle that much. It's more so I just don't feel like he's part of the future. I just don't feel that um, a power forward like that who can defend, who can't defend, and um, is very limited on offense is going to be good for this team moving forward. So I say you just feel out the uh, the options for him in, in free agency. Right. I mean, the only problem with that, and I agree with you there with the Julius Randle thing, because he doesn't seem like a long term guy. So. He's being paid a lot, and he's he's still on another year before his you know his opt out clause happens. So, are there teams mm-hmm. that can even absorb that contract? And then what do we even get back? Like I just don't think it works logistically, just the way his contract has been set up. Unfortunately. Well, I don't. I I feel like it won't really benefit us that much to trade Julius Randle. I don't. I genuinely don't believe we're gonna get a first rounder from him, but. 
it's not like there's any marquee free agents next summer, and if anything, Julius Randle is helping us lose. So the tank, <laughs> the tank is on. It's always a positive. It's always a positive. Um, but to continue, fine, yeah, fine. to continue that roundtable discussion of like sort of what should be the first move that um, our team is thinking about. I think mm-hmm. um, for me. I think evaluating what Marcus Morris means to this yes. team going forward is the first thing we need to do because he's mm-hmm. the most, um, you know, the most interesting uh, guy that we have that we can offer at the trade deadline. But at the same time, he's also the best player. And for a long time now, like since we've been rebuilding, like this is probably the best player that we've seen here that's willing to commit and willing mm-hmm. to teach these, you know, these younger guys. Mm-hmm willing to take this role we even saw him last week come out and say that he doesn't want to be traded he wants to stay here he wants to be part of you know changing this culture for the Knicks and that's it's been a long time since we've heard anyone say that so I don't know like Mm -hmm. that's for the front Mm -hmm. office to decide if they think Marcus Morris is you know not going to be valuable they can ship him off to like a late first rounder probably for a playoff team um, he's on a very, you know, team-friendly deal. And if they don't think that he's, you know, if they do, they think that he's worth keeping, I mean, you, you ride out with him for the rest of the season, let him mentor these young guys, and then try to re-sign him at a deal. Um, personally, I would lean towards, you know, if that first-round pick is really late, I don't think it's really worth it. Like, I don't see the value mm-hmm. in trading him away for, like, the 30th pick in the draft. Like, guys, mm-hmm. like they don't pan out usually with a late pick like that. So, I mean, it's, it's tempting as a, as a guy who likes drafting young players to, you know, ship them off for whatever. But at the same time, he's also really talented and I think he could be useful. Like we've seen it with the Raptors too. Like they don't, whenever they rebuilt their team, they they didn't just ship out every single veteran they had. They would keep a few and then continue to, you know, pair them up with these younger guys. We've seen that with multiple teams. We've seen that with the Bucks. We've seen that with so many different teams that are actually successful. And I just want the Knicks to think about that, is that you don't have to purge every single veteran out and just have a core of young guys. Mm -hmm. You need to keep keep a few vets that are integral to the team. Let them mentor. Let them grow. I don't know. Marcus Morris might be that guy, guys. I The thing is, with teams like... Sorry. No, no, go ahead. If you're going to disagree with them, then you should Uh, go. (laughs) <laughs> I, I was gonna well, agree with them. <laughs> the, the thing is, with guys, with teams like the Raptors and the Bucks, they were able to afford to keep veterans on because they wanted to maintain a certain culture within the mm-hmm. team, and because they were consistently in the playoff uh, hunt. The Knicks are not in the playoff hunt, and so we're in the stage where we're trying to rebuild as if, as efficiently as possible. And so, if there's any way to gain any value for the players that you have signed that exceeds what you paid for them, I think as a business, as an organization, you owe it to yourselves to do that. Granted, I agree with you that um, depending on the, the return that we get from Marcus Morris, it's, it's going to make it either enticing or de-incentivize us from trading him at all. But when you look at the stats, Marcus Morris a couple of weeks ago was the best three-point shooter in the league. Um, since then, he's dropped to second place. And since then, in the past two games, he's started to short, shoot poorly from three. And so a lot of the teams are looking at him and thinking, oh, he was able to increase his three-point percentage drastically, which is invaluable in this league. He was able to increase his usage rate at the same time as his points and rebounds per game, which is also invaluable in this league. And so he's a perfect 3 and D player that any team would love to have. And so teams that are in the playoff hunt would love to pay, pay a first-rounder for him, essentially. So you have any of the teams um, in the West and East that would 
be more than happy to give up a first rounder for him. Um, looking at each of those teams, you would tell yourself, is there maybe a young and maybe poor player that you can get out of that trade as well from one of those teams as well and that they're willing to give up for him? At the same time, while you say Marcus Morris is going to be super valuable to this team, I agree. Culture-wise, he's insanely valuable. And play-style-wise, he really instills a, a feeling of grit uh, on this team. But at the same time, it, you got to ask yourself, is the value we're going to get back from Morris going to be worth it this year and next year? Because those are the only, that's the only time we have him. Unfortunately, we only have him to a one-plus-one deal. So he's a, a full-out free agent, um, not this summer, but the following summer. And so if you think keeping him for next year is going to be worthwhile, where I think the team is actually going to still be poor and young, um, then, you, then you keep him. But I think um, it's not going to be worthwhile because we're not going to be in the playoff hunt still. We're going to have a, little bit, a few more young guys on this team who he can help mentor. But to me, um, mentorship and the, the value that he brings intangibly to the team is not going to be worth the same as potentially having a rookie year contract for a guy who could maybe somehow... Uh, um, provide any spark to this team at the end of the first round and so I look at it and think if we had Marcus Morris for four to five years uh, on this cheap of a contract I would say yes you know what it's a no-brainer do it because he's going to be part of this rebuild for the long term and he's going to he's going to continue to provide um, that veteran leadership for this team but because we only have him next year where I don't see us competing anyway uh, I think you just squeeze the most value out of him right now before he starts to decline in value like we've seen in the past week or two and, and try to get as, as best of a return as possible and use that to flip this team around. As sadly as I say that, because I do love Marcus Morris and I love what he brings to this team. Yeah, but I'm just skeptical of that last point is that this pick that we're going to get from Marcus Morris is going to flip the team around. Like, I don't see that happening. It's just going to be another guy that we have to develop for that we don't have necessarily maybe the minutes for like it's just gonna be a no, guy I'm not saying flip the team around but maybe a guy like like you know we've drafted in the second round guys like damian dotson and mitchell robinson i see no reason why we can't draft even a role player late in the first round that yeah, can actually contribute but to none this of team. those players are better than marcus morris is what i'm saying at this point of their careers right like that's agree, that's my point is but that if we're trying to get pennies. to the playoffs we need to attract maybe some veteran players that aren't necessarily stars right we need to attract veteran players that like can play their role are good on the team. Like, I feel like, what are we saying as an organization when we trade away Marcus Morris after he comes on and says, I want to stay here? Like, what does that say to free agents? Like, this team doesn't really care. If you're valuable, if you play, if you outplay your well, your, your worth here, you're going to be traded away for a, a first-round pick, a late first-round pick. Like, I just feel like it's actually the opposite of what we want to do. Like, we want to build a culture here. We need guys that can teach our young players what to do so they don't end up like Kristaps Porzingis, right? Like a guy who's mm-hmm. just like mediocre, right? Because he was the best player when he was a rookie on his team. Like that's that's what I don't want. Like right. I want veterans that can lead. Uh, you, yeah. you, I'm totally on board if we had him for longer, if he was actually going to be part of that rebuild. But unfortunately, I mean, we he only could have be. him for the there, team there, There's no year. reason why he can't be, though. Like if we, I, yeah. I see no way that we win the bidding war for him in free agency, honestly. Well, we... And no way that I want if to. If he's saying that he sorry, wants sorry, to stay with the Knicks, I, I would want to sign Marcus Morris if he's willing to take a pay cut. And I think his mentality is, at this point, he's he's 30 years old. I think he's thinking more long-term family-wise. And that's why he didn't want to sign with San Antonio, who obviously are always in a better position than New York. Now, uh, for an organization, you build through two ways. You build through free agency and you build through the draft. 
right now the Knicks have had all their draft picks since 2017. They're going to have their next seven draft picks, including the ones from, from Dallas. And we, ha- we have our draft picks, but no one wants to come to New York because there's no stability here. Marcus Morris can be part of that stability. Like you know, like Teddy said, he he's one of those players who's outperforming, and it really players pay attention to how other players are being treated within their organizations. If the Knicks re-sign Marcus Morris, they'll know it's because he's playing well. But Marcus Morris also has that, has those intangibles that of, of of kind kind of like what DeAndre Jordan did with Mitchell Robinson. Once DeAndre Jordan joined the Knicks, Mitchell Robinson's value like he just he just got a lot better because he learned how to play better. I I would want to wait and see a little to see how if if Marcus Morris can do the same for guys like Kevin Knox. But if it comes to if you, if you're just trying to acquire draft picks, I think you can do that with other players. Maybe Bobby Portis, you get a second rounder and then draft a guy like Mitchell Robinson and Damian Dawson, who are both second-round picks. But Marcus Morris, who right now, you, you got to think about when was the last time we had a player averaging 19 points per game, shooting almost 50% from the three, who's a 3-and-D guy, who's the locker room leader and a veteran presence. Those those things just don't exist in New York, and they have in, in, in quite mm-hmm. some time. And if he's willing to take a pay cut, right now he's, he, he's on a $15 million contract. If he's willing to take $7, 8000000 million and play for a bad team, which he knew he was coming into this season, and just – just be that player to help all the other players grow. Our our last few draft we have we still have Frank, we still have Kevin Knox, we still have RJ. These are all our, our draft picks that aren't performing mm-hmm. as well as they right. can. So what what, what are we yeah, are I just we gonna get a seventeenth round pick who's gonna be young and you know, 18, 19 mm-hmm. years old and he might be good. We're not gonna we're not gonna be able to attract free agents that way because we're just gonna be a baby team of underperforming players. Yeah, again, I think it just comes down to the fact that I don't like to me, I have to weigh on both hands. Uh, like everyone's reporting a first-round pick, or on the other hand, one more year of Marcus Morris. Because I don't agree that he would take a pay cut to stay in New York. Because like you said, at this rate, he's looking out for his family. He wants to basically have that final contract before he retires. There's no way we offer him the full long contract that he's going to be asking for to see him through his retirement. And there's no way... Um, that we win a bidding war with other teams for him because I would not want us to spend so much money for him to stay here. And there's no reason for him to take a pay cut um, to stay on the team where he's the best player, essentially. And so well, I would argue, I, because of those point, reasons, though, I would argue that who else are we going to pay? Like, we had to literally inflate our contracts this offseason. I understand, but it's it's not about it's not about, you know, having cap space and using it. It's about using it efficiently and making sure that you're always receiving more value for the players that you're buying. So for me, it's this is the most value we're going to get out of Marcus Morris. I also fear that his efficiency will drop and he's going to uh, revert back to older version of him, which is still a great player, um, but not as great as he's been the beginning of the season so far. We forget that it's only been 26 games and so he can easily revert back to a worse player and we get less value out of him and he's not as good next year as well so for me you've seen teams out there who have stockpiled first round picks and traded them for a great uh, veteran which we can do as well but for an even better player so we like you mentioned uh, Mo we have um, a a couple of those Mavs first rounders we have our own first rounder and if we potentially got another first rounder um, we can essentially trade picks without leaving the first round in the next couple of years and so um, for me it's about either keeping a pick in, in return for Marcus Morris to draft a young player that can help this core even if slightly help the core or you know stockpiling first round picks and these are extra first round picks for a great player that we can get out there because like you guys said 
we're not going to attract that many free agents, totally understandable, but we can make trades and we can draft players. And to me, that's the best foot moving forward. And I would agree that uh, Marcus Morris is part of the future plans if he was signed for a longer term contract. But I would have to disagree with you guys that there's any chance of us re-signing him because our goals are just not aligned between the Knicks and Marcus Morris. Well, I have one more final point before you know I pass this. We end this conversation uh, um, with this topic. But I would just say, you know, with that plan of you want to take those picks and you want to trade them for maybe a you know a star, a blooming star in the league who's not happy with the situation. I would argue that. You still need quality players to send back to that team in that transaction. And, like, let's mm-hmm. say if today that trade happened, right? Who are you sending back that that team wants? Like, you need quality players on a long-term deal. And we don't have a single one. Like, I think that's the issue is the way we've set up our team is not going to mm-hmm. be beneficial for us. Like, we have all these guys that are already young and they they don't have... We don't have enough minutes for Alonzo Trier. Like, he's, he's already sitting on the bench, like... Like complaining, right? We don't have enough minutes for Dennis yeah, Smith. But the, I think the idea is that if we keep getting, we keep hoarding all these young guys, right? We're no better than the Celtics, where they had all these picks and they did nothing with them because they were just hoping well, that I'm, they could just, yeah. you know, stockpile all this talent and sort of make this big move. But the, mm-hmm. the main issue they had was that they didn't have other players that teams really wanted. Like, there was no guy besides maybe Tatum and, you know, um, who else? Jalen Brown that they really asked for. And those guys were off limits already. I think that's a big problem is that we need to have good players on the team before we can start saying, oh, we're going to make trade packages. Because trade packages are not just draft picks. They're usually like, here's a quality guy. Here's a young guy. Here's here's a couple picks. Now we can trade for someone that's actually, you know, decent. Mm-hmm. And we don't have anyone that's good on our team besides like Marcus Morris at this point. That's actually like a veteran. Because the, the rest of those guys are really mercenaries. Agreed, but obviously it would all depend on the team that you're yeah, trading that's, with. Yeah, that's that's it's um, very. I'm hypothetical. glad you mentioned guys like um, Alonzo Trier and Dennis Smith. I think those would be great young guys to include in a, in, in a trade. Um, aside uh, from you know two first round picks or whatever right. it is, and obviously this is all just dependent on the trade deal. But yeah, agreed. I think we can all agree to disagree on this one because I don't think there's any right answer. No, there's um, Marcus Morris is a great player. And we would get great value out of him. So it's really up to the team now to decide what their plan for the future is. Right. All right. So, you know, with that being said, we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about who are this week's Nick of the Week and Dick of the Week. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Miller Heavy. When you're hanging with the boys on a Saturday night watching a Knicks game, make sure to grab yourself a can of Miller Heavy. None of that light stuff. We here at Nickish F with Miller Heavy. <laughs> with our new sweet, refreshing taste, you can forget about missing on that Bud Light, and you can crack open a can of that good stuff. This new formula comes with reduced fizz. <laughs> so you can enjoy the game like the dog you are. Miller Heavy, enjoy responsibly. All right, welcome back, peeps. Um, here we're bringing back another segment that we've um, done consistently throughout the episodes, and that is the New York Nick and Dick of the Week. So, again, it's just a refresher for everybody. The Nick of the Week is somebody who embodies everything that you love about uh, a Nick player, and he just played the best basically in the last week or so since the last episode. Whereas a Dick of the Week could be anybody from, uh, like, like the Nick of the Week, uh, could be anybody from players to the organization to a fan to some owner um so 
um, at this point, I'm going to leave it up to Mo and Teddy to decide for each of them which who their Nick and Dick of the Weeks are. And then ultimately, I'll be the deciding factor between um, who I ultimately nominate. Mm. So, uh, without any further ado, for Nick of the Week, Mo, who is your nominee for Nick of the Week? My nominee will have to be Marcus Morris Sr. He hit the game winner against Sacramento. Senior. Yeah, <laughs> senior. That that's what it says on his jersey. And uh, and Kevin Knox only became Kevin Knox a second. I don't know when that happened, but yeah. um, there's that. And he dropped 36 on Kevin Knox two like, on an overtime game with the Warriors. So that's my pick. Okay. Okay. Respect it. Good rationale. Teddy. Uh, for my Nick of the week, I think I have to go with Coach Mike Miller. He has ooh, brought ooh. us on a win streak. He is bringing positive change already. Mm. And people have already put him as sort of a lame duck coach who's going to be replaced. He's not the official head coach. But look at him. He's he's excelling so far. He's already got some wins. What? He's already got, what, half the wins that Fizz had in his whole <laughs> in his whole season this year? In 16 less so, games, yeah. Exactly. So I think uh, I think he's going to be a real interesting coach. Um, coach to watch and i hope that he keeps his success up yeah okay okay um very good rationale on both ends but unfortunately because this week this past week was not one of marcus morris's best weeks i will have to give this one to teddy and agree that mike miller is this week's nick of the week not only that but he did a great job of uh, pandering to the host (laughs) who is obviously in love with mike miller and so i'm going to give this week's nick of the week to mike miller claps all around claps all around Now, moving on to a more depressing topic is this week's Dick of the Week. So, not only does it rhyme with the Nick of the Week, but it should be somebody who's been absolutely terrible this past week. So, Mo, or actually, let's switch it up. Teddy, this time, you can start with who your nominee for this week's Dick of the Week hmm. is. Okay, well, I mean, it's it's not a clear winner this week, in my opinion. There's not really anyone that's really, you know, rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but I will have to say... The dick of the week is going to go to Dennis Smith Jr. Um, mm. Just because um, he seems like he's really not working out in New York. And I said this uh, earlier in the week. It's just that like he seems like he's not the player that we expected him to be at this point of his career. Um, I really think we should consider trading him away at the deadline. Um, I think going with the Frank and Payton, uh, you know, duo, um, makes more sense to us. And I think Dennis Smith is probably looking for a more defined role, um, in, in this point of his career. I understand his frustration, but he's just not Mm -hmm. performing well. Um, he, he's been injured here and there. Um, but I don't know. He just seems really out of it. He doesn't seem like the guy that, you know, we really need, and he's probably better suited for a team with, I don't know, uh, a need for a bench player that's going to come off and, you know, score and take over the, 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 the second unit. Got it. So I was entirely with you, and Dennis Smith was the person in my head for this week's Dick of the Week, but you did lose me with the concept of trading him away and shipping him away because I everyone know, knows man. I do not like selling low on any player yeah, because it makes we, no we don't have any... sense business-wise or basketball-wise. I understand, so... but hold on, hold on. Just to, just to refute that <laughs> one point, like... Mm-hmm. How are you gonna How are you gonna get value for him when he's not even showing that he can be on the floor? 
Well, that's why I'm saying it doesn't have We're to be right now. We're just gonna keep him for we'll another just ride year it out and, <laughs> on the and bench, have him on a hot streak or something. But we need to wait until his value is at least on the up. This is the lowest it's ever been. If it was mediocre value, totally mm. fine. If it was the end of last year, totally fine. But this is the lowest his value has ever I mean, been. I mean, if He's the stock price hits nine on a wheelchair yeah, on the court, if the stock price goes from like twenty bucks to five bucks, you better jump ship. I don't know why you would stay on. Well, that. No, you no, you don't. don't. That's, that's exactly when you stay. No, that's that's when the ship might. Might you know steer in a different way, but uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is no, not that, steering that point, up. You've guys. lost. No, you hold at that point you hold when at the that stock point. dropped. You've lost your money. It's so time to take that five. It's time it. to take that five dollars <laughs> and get the hell out. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, Mo, right, you we have gotta, the opportunity gotta, to sweep this one away. Right give now. you a Warren Buffett. Book. You let me know who your nominee for this week's Dick of the Week is. My pick is actually not going to be Dennis Smith Jr. He was out one game with a migraine, and he's still going to be part of the rotation. But I think yeah, I'm getting headaches guy... too, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's one guy who a lot of the blame for this year's season, this 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 season, should go to, and he's just been way too quiet, um, and speaking up when he shouldn't be, and not speaking when he should be, and that that's Steve Mills, hmm. uh, president of the Ooh. New York Knicks right now. Good candidate. The, the Knicks are not Ooh. in a position to succeed. Uh, David Fizel was not given a great team, um, although he had his he had his you know ways that he shouldn't have coached. And Mike Miller is is cleaning it up. But at this point in time, Steve Mills is he's on the hot seat right now, and I can't say I'm confident he's going to make the right decisions, especially now that trade season's open. I do not want to see Kevin Love on his team. I do not want to see Demar oh Rosen. I don't want to see Chris Paul on this team. But my worry, he's gonna want like ten more wins, and he's gonna end up trading our 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 pieces for that, and none of us would be surprised if that's happened. But Steve Mills is my dick of dick of the week. Very well said. I would have to one hundred percent agree with that wild card nomination. I'm gonna have to go with Steve Mills as well as this week's dick of the week. Yes, sir. Booze all around. Boo. Yeah, I thought about him. I thought about him long and hard, but then I was just like. Eh, he's the dick of the week every week. It's not really a... <laughs> he's the dick of the year. Not really a award for him. All right, well, I guess that sums it up for this week's Nick and Dick of the Week. Good candidates good candidates this week. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Anytime. Anytime. Uh, and that about wraps up this week's episode. Uh, we know that the trade season's open, but it's going to be a long and uh, pressing matter. So we're, we're going to... We'll talk, we'll talk about it in the next few episodes. Um, apart from that, to all the listeners, thank you guys again for listening to the Nickish Show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube at Nickish Show, and uh, look out for our upcoming website. And we got we got more to come, so look out for that. Yep. Thanks, guys. It's been real chatting this week. Take care, Let's guys. Hope for another win tonight against Denver. Yep. Have a good one. Peace. Peace.